What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 40. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. What do you call two guys who seven months ago probably never could have guessed they'd be saying they just witnessed Tom Brady's first win as a Buccaneer? Uh, there's just no way. I would say, um, I don't know. What would be a better name than Salty Dogs? Uh, I'm saying that describes us, the Salty Dogs. We just did that. Oh, I see what I you see, did. There were there. historic moments like Matt, right. Matt Bryant's kick and stuff sure. in that intro, but... You just what's, want me to do more work. That's all more, there is to it. What's more historic than <laughs> than the greatest of all time all of a sudden playing quarterback for your team? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And you get your first win with him. Yay. You know, it's it's still a work in progress. Tom, oh. Tom says that every time he has, he has to be interviewed, and he's been saying that since before the game started. You know, it's a collaboration, but it's trying to figure out what he does, what he likes to do best, what he likes to do most and does best, what – Bruce Arians likes to do on offense. What players we have that can make those things happen, how to use them, it's going to take a little while to be in full swing, I think. Are you? It's funny, I was thinking about this, just because I'm listening to everybody talk about one player or not getting the tight ends involved and all of this, and I'm thinking, this is week two. You're not going to show your whole hand of what you're doing. You're going to take baby steps of this is what we're going to do. So I'm always amazed that, that everybody's already concerned whether we're using tight ends or we're not using tight ends. Yeah. Every team, including the Bucks, has a very, very large offensive playbook. But during the week before a game, you sit down with the coaches before the players come in and you take parts of that out that you think will work that week mm-hmm. or that you think are you're already ready to run. Maybe you haven't practiced this section with the players that you have right now yet. You're still getting to that. And, and, of course, in this situation, I think, and he said several times, Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, they also get Brady's input on what he wants to do. So uh, you're right. There's there's still stuff we have not gotten to yet. Yeah, and it's and I think this team's going to be entirely different than other teams that you've seen in the past is is that it's not, it's not going to be just this way. It's what the defense is going to give them, just well, what you yeah, just said, how you're going to go. And, um, Bruce says the ball goes where the, de- the defense dictates where the I, ball goes. I kind of like I kind of like it that it's not as predictable as you think. Yeah, but um, maybe in time we'll be able to. Well, pick we up also more. we also played the first game with a not hundred percent Mike Evans, and mm-hmm. the second game without Chris Godwin. Wow, we missed yeah, we missed him. Well, yeah, it, it, you you could see the difference, but I will say that um, it was just not a good day for catching the ball for the Buccaneers. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to kind of throw it out there and make you think about that a little bit. But uh, you got to admit the 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 accuracy of the passes were pretty strong. Yeah. So he's the, been throwing the ball well downfield. Yeah, it's, it, that pass to Mike Evans that got him uh, 50 yards, got him wide open in the middle of defense. That was well anticipated because if you watch it. You know, the replay of it, you'll see that when he throws the ball, Mike is still sort of even with some defenders, but he's breaking towards where that ball's going to land, and it's in a big, wide-open spot. And it just just perfectly designed play and, and perfectly executed. Yeah, it, it – um, I think all – Sunday was just somewhat surreal to me. I can believe that. Because we're there, and there is a game, but with the, with the fans not being there, and, and I think – what people have to understand is if you're watching it on TV or listening to the radio, the crowd noise you're hearing is not actually the crowd noise that's in the stadium. It's pretty nuanced though. It's yeah. Pretty sophisticated. Yeah. It's very sophisticated how it works. But that being said, um, I'm saying you're hearing, you're hearing booze when things don't yeah, go well. Or yeah. Laws or, right. Right. The crowd swells after a good play. Mm-hmm. And, and well, I, they're, they're, people are working hard to yeah, do no, that to give you that, measures, right? yeah, to give you that effect. But that's not the actual sound you're hearing, right. you know, in uh, the stadium. Right. I did you have an open 
You were in an open booth. Oh, yeah, always. I couldn't tell what it sounded like yeah. in the stadium. Um, I thought it was soft. Yeah, that's what all yeah. the players said. But I understand. I think it's it's a work in progress. And, I, uh, you know, the league is reassessing everything yeah. each week. How do we improve? Uh, and, and there is discussion about that right now. I got home on Sunday night, and my wife said, you could hear a lot of what Tom Brady was saying. Yeah. <laughs> bingo, bingo, bingo. I want to know what that means. Use. I know. I, when, that, when that happened, I thought, okay, that, that's, that's, that's going to be the new phrase Usually now. If, if, they say something, if they say something that starts with an L, like I heard one of the quarterbacks saying, Lucy, Lucy, I assume that just means left in uh-huh. some way. Something about the play was either going to be left or right. It can't be that basic because if, if... Listen to how often you see words that start with, hear words that start with L or R. Uh-huh. But maybe it's a trick. Maybe yeah, on, uh, if I go Lucy, Lucy, it's to the right. If I go sure. Lucy, 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 it's to the left. <laughs> and you got to know how many Lucy's are there. Or you just switch it up before uh, each drive. You say, okay, this driver yeah. going straight. Yeah. Next driver going opposite. Yeah. Just like just like when you were a kid and you're in the <laughs> huddle. Go past the Buick and run hard. <laughs> uh, but you're right. You, do, you, you can't just be basic with the things you're saying at the line and do them over and over again because the defense will pick that up yeah. real quick. So I imagine they switch during games. Yeah, and I thought it was a, a tale of two games, so to speak. Um, you know, up 21 nothing. Uh, you're thinking this is going to be a blowout. And actually, you know, if, if a couple plays would have been executed, it would have been a – It was a, pretty close to yeah. becoming a blowout. And, and there were two moments uh, – there were two specific moments where the momentum changed, and it was very, very obvious. Mm-hmm. We're winning 21 nothing. come out second half, like two plays in, Levante David gets the ball away like he always does. He's so good at that forced fumble and fumble recovery. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, – so now we're like about about their twenty something. Have a real good chance to make it twenty eight nothing. Totally take the the fight sure. out of them. I assume. you're down twenty eight nothing. It's a hard go unless you're playing the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. You're you're thinking it's over. <laughs> wow, that came on. I hope Raheem doesn't coming listen. in hot right now. I hope Raheem doesn't listen. Well, it, yeah, poor Raheem. Raheem. Reason why you say is Raheem Morris, who's the defensive coordinator for the Atlanta. Yeah, Falcons and I wasn't now. even thinking about it in terms of being specifically a defensive coordinator. Just right. that he's somebody I know who works yeah, for the Falcons. Who's a good guy. Well, he's we know a, a lot of people guy. that work for yeah, the Dirk. Falcons. We like him. We yeah, like him Dirk all too. And Rich, McKay. Rich McKay. Yeah, sure. So we don't really want to see that happen to them. No, no. Except that it's when we, you know, they're in our division. We, yeah, we no, can't I do want to see them lose. Absolutely, sure. that was great uh, last night. Well, we're doing this on Tuesday. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This and uh, I don't know when we're going to post it, but and so last night meant Monday night, and it was great watching the Saints lose in Las Vegas. Thank you, John Gurdon. But you see, and, that, and when when I was watching the Saints, I was I was thinking I, that's a game I think got away from us. I, I the, the Saints game. Yes, I'd like to yes. play it again. I would too because at, w- watching, and I, I will say the Saints always play differently at home than they do on the road. They're notorious for that. But the you kind of look at it and you go, wow, you know, with with that they're not they're not setting the world on fire they didn't right look now. Great. They no, really didn't. but they're missing Thomas, so that makes a big yeah, difference. Sure. So you start losing guys, it changes your your team. Um. Anyway, I got that was a big tangent yep. that we got off on because That's I was how we saying work. the two moments of uh, when the momentum swung. Yes. So it looks like we're going to take the, the wind out of their sails, um, and then immediately we get the interception. That Tom threw it over Gronk's head, it looked like, on a cross, and it went right to a safety. Yeah. And he returns it to midfield, and then they get a touchdown. And from that point on, all of a sudden, Teddy Bridgewater was, was dealing, and their offense was doing well. It, it had been completely stymied in the first half. Our defense didn't have all the answers. I also think the yardage total at the end was a little misleading because over the last three, three or four drives, at least the last three, we were definitely laying back, letting them, making them make a lot of plays if they're going to get all the way down there. Yeah. Um, so they ended up with a lot of yards, but it was still a good defensive performance. So from that point on, they get back to 21-14, uh, and they have the ball. And now you're getting scared, or I was. I don't know about you. I, I was thinking, oh, this can't be happening. And then they um, – and then Carlton Davis with that really acrobatic interception with 10 minutes to go, that switched the momentum right back. And then I think we drove down from there, got a field goal. Yeah, never looked back. They got a field goal. They tried the onside kick. Leonard Fournette breaks away, and, and it's back to a 14-point win, which is pretty good in the NFL. Sure. Really, you, most NFL games are closer than that when it's all said and done. I thought it was – I thought uh, the Panthers, uh, they're going to take a little bit of time to, to gel, but they, they seem to uh, – they, they can score points. They did against the Raiders. They put uh, 
a good number of points on the board. Uh, well, I, we might have uh, we might have stunted their growth a little bit yeah. though by taking out McCaffrey. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's, four to six weeks. I, I think we're the Buccaneers will be kind of going to become the villains of the fantasy football world. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, took one, out time. one ankle uh, yeah. at a time. Those are <laughs> one, both one ankle at a time. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey was probably the first yep. pick in almost every draft, and Michael Thomas was probably the first receiver taken in almost every draft, and now they're both sidelined. And it wasn't any kind of and 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 and, just plays right and then and secondary. Just think about being on the team and you're not having that guy. I'm not even talking about fantasy football. I mean, apparently fantasy football. I was just huge, throwing, I was just throwing but, it out. Know, there. I'm just you know, I mean, you know, I'm just it's the NFL and you know. Okay, continue. No, I'm, I'm done with that point. Okay, thank you. Interesting defense that the the Panthers run too. It's it's. Uh, well, it's not. It's Phil Snow from mm-hmm. from uh, Baylor and and temple with matt Rowland. yeah it's not something yeah there's, it's not something you they see they used a lot of players for one thing yeah they used a lot of players if you look at their box score at the end they had a lot of different defensive players getting playing time they're different packages and so on yeah um is that, is that in your opinion is that just a transition from college to the nfl and you bring what you play or or is it something that you think that can transform they have to a the lot, nfl they have a you mean playing a lot of different players no just the way their their oh, formations were i don't were. think i know well enough okay i, I was just curious on that um but they do have a lot of new players they're trying to work in especially on defense three rookies starting and probably a fourth fairly soon although he's been injured that's Yatur gross matos i don't know if i pronounced that right but um and a couple new guys who signed as free agents, so it's a it's a brand new defense without Luke Keekley trying to yeah. center it around Shaq Thompson now, who's a great player, but he's not Luke Keekley. So I don't know, but I will say this about our offense, and we started this this segment talking about this specifically that that it's um it's a work in progress. the The part that is that's frustrating to watch is it just seems like there's just these lulls that happen for a quarter or two. Mm-hmm. We like in the first game. First drive, straight down there. Great drive. Everything was great. And then for like a couple quarters, we couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then in, in yesterday's game, we were great in the first half. And then through all throughout the third quarter and the beginning of the yeah. fourth, we couldn't get anything going at all. And some of it was missed opportunities, like the Cyril Grayson play. Um, Which I feel really bad for him because he gets up in the practice. He comes up from the practice squad. And, of course, everybody's giving him a hard time. And it's kind of why you're on the practice squad is you're learning – how to play and it's so unfortunate that you know it bonked him in the head it looked really bad and yeah. bruce bruce made a point of saying several occasions that the wind was really bad on the sideline there and so it's just a matter of misjudging it i mean it could have landed you know in front of him or behind him but he just unfortunately people, pe- people used to always make fun of trent dilfer when he would say swirling winds in raymond james stadium but it's true because if you look at the pirate ship where the wind's blowing then you look up on top with the american flag is blowing and then you look at the goalposts all those flags are going different ways. Casey and I were talking about a pregame when we were doing our pregame show, and it's very it was very windy then. I assume it stayed that way. If you looked at the, let's see, that would be the east side, the what? one the one facing here. Uh, well, the w- yeah, y- yes, okay. The flags along the top on the east side were all were all uh, pointing in towards the bowl, mm-hmm. so west. But the flags on top of the west side were all pointing directly south, so. The <laughs> I know, Clearly, it, the wind was all over the place, and it was up to it was it was moving around twenty miles an hour. Wow! I didn't yeah, know that. yeah, it was it was quite windy, and and uh, I think that I think it affected both teams. But but all that being said, it's it's a hard go that you know those are the plays that you go back and look at, and if the game was really really tight, then you'd really be upset about not making those plays. Would Bruce say he thought there was three touchdowns left? Well, he's talking about the Cyril Grayson play. The Scotty Miller one where he dived. And Scotty Miller catches that nine out of ten times. I didn't um, think it was I, that easy of a catch. He had to lay out. Yeah, but he's I guess I guess because you expect him to do that. We're big Scotty Miller fans yes, here, so don't very get me much wrong. So. But I, I didn't think that was an easy catch. I think there are differences I think there are differences in categories in drops. And um and Bruce Arians is a bit unforgiving and tends yep, to lump they, the, lump them they, all together when we're talking about both catches yeah, and interceptions. Yeah. Whereas I'll see variations like well, that one just kind of barely tipped his mm. fingertip. Like the Antoine yeah. Winfield interception possibility in the end zone where he dived in New Orleans, he dived and made a great play, but he could just he yeah. couldn't quite get there. Well, Bruce figures if you're close, you should just I know, have it. I know. It, it's the old, if it hits your hands, you should be able and to catch I, it. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that philosophy, right. but I, I guess I was just trying to be nicer. The other one was obviously a little Sean McCoy drop, yeah. which was a flat-out drop. And mm-hmm. 
and he doesn't drop passes. Like no, that. he's a great pass catcher. Yes, he is. So he just all you do and is look good. And, go. and I'm surprised because they really weren't covering him when he was going out for 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 there. It's kind of weird. I, I it. I think he adds another dimension to to the team. I guess that's why they brought him in. Yeah, he made a great play in the um, early going on one of the first couple scoring drives, uh, where it was third and six or third and seven, I think, and he caught the ball several yards short of the sticks, and there were at least two defenders in his way, and he made two good cuts and managed to get like nine yards and yeah. get the first down, and. He made a couple good plays like that. He had another one where he got sixteen, but it was called ten of it was called back by a penalty. It's I, his field of vision, or he just know, he's reading it. He knows where to go. Yeah, they may not look like great no. plays in, in the playbook because they're six yards here, nine yards there, but nine yards on third and seven, especially on a pass thrown short of the sticks, is a fantastic play. Yeah, and it also makes me, makes me go back to um, uh, what used to bother me, used to irritate me so much when people would. Well, one person in particular uh, would harp on this point. Every time it's third down and the quarterback throws a ball that doesn't go all the way to the first down marker, they lose their mind. How right. can you throw a four-yard pass on third and eight? Because that's how what can you throw a four-yard pass? Yeah, I don't know if you know who. I know exactly who it is. Okay. Um, we're talking code here. I was in the press box with this person for several years, sitting yeah. next to him I understand him, and I, I, I just drove me nuts when he would do that. That's why. Okay, if you're a quarterback and it's third and eight and you drop back, it is probably likely that your very first read is supposed to be somebody that's past the sticks. You would think. But that guy might be covered. In fact, lots of times they are covered, and that's why third downs are hard to convert. Okay, and so you go to your next guy. Maybe that guy's a deep route, but he's not open either. Or you can't get it to him because you got pressure coming from that direction. So you do the best thing you can and drop it off to your running back even though we shot short of the sticks and hope he get the yeah. – and he, they don't always get it. Mm-mm. And that's when people complain. But they do sometimes get it. Isn't that better than taking a sack or throwing a pass that is a very low percentage and might get picked? Who knew? It's just that has always been a pet peeve yes. of mine. Yes, I know. I wasn't intending to talk about that today. That's that fine. just came up. I know. It just kind of happened. See, that's why this is unscripted. We just go with it. We don't talk to each other before this. And we – Basically, don't talk to each other after this show so, either. But continue. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why would I want to? <laughs> I mean, only so when I have to. I was to. talking about the offensive lulls, and I wanted yes. to share a stat with you because right. I like to share stats with you. You are shows. a stat machine. So, so far in two, through two games, our offense has converted 57.1% of their third downs in the first half. And in the second 20. half? point zero percent in the second half. See, that's, that, that's what I'm talking about. Proves they're, your point. They're having a hard time sustaining... Uh, offensive rhythm for for four quarters. I'm going to go to the bright side here. Yeah, yeah, please do. Uh, and, and the bright side is it is a work in progress. Right. And the good news is at least they have portions of the game where they're putting it together. And No, no, right. And, it's and there. I want you to save that because I want to see how long it takes before that balances out. And I'm ho- will. And I'm hoping the balance out is – you know, they're oh, both high. The low, one, <laughs> rather, the low than, one comes up. Yeah, rather than the high <laughs> one coming down. Um, so, yes, I, 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 think, I think because of all the expectation of all that happened during the offseason and it's getting started and everybody's just expecting just uh, Tom Brady being the Tom Brady with the New England Patriots, uh, that's that's not how it works. It, it's, it, it goes slow. It's, it's just like... If you take a brand new job, I don't care what your profession is, and I don't care how long you've done it and how good you are at it, when you go to a new organization, there's that little period of time that you're trying to figure it out, how to, how to make it work with all your new coworkers. I have to think back 29 years to figure that out. Yeah. That's well, the last time I did that. I did it, uh, let's see, 16 years ago. And and it, it is, an, and it's basically, it is, I'm doing, you're doing the same job, but it is an adjustment. You don't think about it. You think it's just easy. But then when you get in, it all, it's just the little things that, that you take for granted that aren't there anymore. So I think it's going to be, I, I give it, you know, and we talk about this, or I do, you know, six weeks into the season, you start to know what kind of team you have. I'm really excited to see where we are in six weeks to see how That's a we Tony keep. Dungy thing, right? Yeah, how we keep growing. Yes, I, I'm. I'm pretty excited about that. You know who you are by Halloween or something like that. Yeah, pretty much by November. I mean, good teams play good in November and December. That's the difference. So another very positive thing about this offense, we're good when we get into the red zone. 
Yes. And that probably has a lot to do with Tom Brady, too, and good decision-making and good play-calling. Let's give them credit, too. We are, we are tied for fourth in the league with an 83.3% touchdown rate on red zone drives, and we're still 100% on goal-to-go drives. So every time we've gotten a first and goal, uh-huh. we've gotten it in. Yep. We're, the, we're tied for first, obviously. Couldn't do better. And that's been a good difference for us because on defense – uh, we're f- we're sixth in red zone defense and fifth in goal to go at fifty percent both. So we're we're better at stopping drives within the red zone right. than our opponents have been. Well, <coughs> that's mm-hmm. a plus. I had to take care of something. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. I so had... two weeks ago you wouldn't get off your phone, and last week you didn't bring. It. I didn't bring my phone, but I needed to today, and I di- I had to respond to something immediately. You know the the listeners here are paying. Yes. A high. But here's but here's the good news. To listen to this. Here's the good they news. They deserve a full Jeff Ryan experience. Here, but here's the thing: they're listening to you, and when you get into stats, it's kind of like you zone out. Yeah, kind of. I thought that was when I talked about fantasy football. Well, that's stats. So no, no, I I, I like I, you're right. You're right. If we, it's time the for red me, zone efficiency is much better than it has wow, been. he was listening. Yeah, I am. And, um, you know, which is good because I'm hoping that we're in the red zone quite a, quite a bit. Well, we got a lot of weapons that are specifically good. In well, a lot, lot to choose from. Yeah. 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 And it, This wasn't actually a red zone play because it was from the 23, but that back shoulder throw yeah. to Mike Evans was fantastic. And I, as a defender, you can't do a single thing about that. And I think that's the other thing is, is just as time goes on, the chemistry between – Everyone, it just it, and Chris Godwin's supposed to be back this week. So that'll yeah, happen. that's a that's a big plus. So, um, go ahead. So, which what do you think was my favorite pass in that game, though? Oh, it wasn't a very good pass for it, the situation, but it was my favorite. I don't know. What, what? I love flea flickers. I've told. Oh, I love yeah. flea flickers. If I were a coach, I'd yeah. run one every four games. You can't run it all the time. You know, it's fun. It, it, it what I liked about it is that it worked. Yeah. You know, that's I've, yeah, Jeff. Good. Yeah, I've good. seen it a lot of times where they do it, and it's, it works more you know, often than not. Yeah. Um, this one worked. It didn't work for a touchdown like it probably should have because I think it was descri- It's what it looked like, and I think it was described afterwards as when Fournette flipped the ball back to um, Tom. He he was trying to. He didn't quite get the he ball. Didn't, the, the didn't laces, have the laces. Yeah. So he, what came out was he just had to get rid of it be- because by then they figured out and they turned around and start chasing him. So. He, and they're also the pressure's coming on him. He had so to do the heave ho. He had to throw it, even though he didn't have it perfectly in his grip. So it ended up being a wobbler that Justin had to wait for, and so it ended up as a 36-yard gain rather than a, like a 55-yard touchdown. But it was, it was exciting. Still, I love flea flickers. Yeah, you got to you know you got to appreciate it. You got to appreciate it. a lot has to happen for those to work though too. Even though that's successful, we're picking it apart because it could have been more. It should have been even more successful. True. There you go. Uh, so before we wrap this up, I think we should look ahead a little bit to the Denver game. Ah, well, now um, the sto- What was the story of week two around the NFL? I, you know, I think maybe two or three times during each podcast, I stop and ask you a question, and I think I don't think you've ever successfully answered one. Of them. No, I. You know, ne- you never know what I'm looking for. No. So you don't know what the big storyline – you don't know what I would think was the big storyline from around the NFL. Not one specific game, but what happened all around the NFL. I would say injuries. There you go. You, you, there's your first one. Congratulations. All right, there you go. And Unbelievable And they rash lost their starting quarterback. Yes, unbelievable rash, rash of injuries around the league, including a lot of star players on both sides of the ball. And San Francisco was probably hit the hardest, but Denver's close. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. lost their starting quarterback. Right. He's lost. a young kid. He was only going to be – he's only had seven NFL starts, but they, still. Uh, they lost Vaughn Miller they, Before the season started. Yeah. They lost Cortland Sutton, their best receiver, for the rest of the year. Uh, Drew Locke will be back. They apparently no structural damage in his right throwing shoulder. Mm, but he's out for a couple but of he's, weeks. He's, out for, he's definitely not playing this week. We know that. And uh, the, their cornerback, A.J. Bowie, Bowie, Bowie A.J. Bowie, yeah. Bowie, he's – He's uh, on IR. Um, they I lost a couple defensive linemen, Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker. Uh-huh. Uh, Philip Lindsay hasn't been playing. He's only had seven carries. He's got turf toe, so he probably won't play against us. Trap game. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Jeff. Yeah, that's that's one of those that. Yeah, they are they are uh, suffering greatly uh, with injuries, but they are playing at home. And cornerback Devonta Harris. That's another guy. They mm-hmm. are. You know, here's the thing. Here's an interesting situation with this. These injuries and the quarterback injury and what we've talked about with this COVID procedures now. So 
they were rolling with Drew Locke, who was their rookie who started last year. Right. Last five games looked good. So, in the, the story of the offseason for the Broncos was building the offense up around Drew Locke, seeing if having all the weapons and everything, if he really could be their answer at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, a couple new offensive linemen, you know, more for Noah Fant, their first-round pick from the year before, Melvin Gordon. Um, and uh, I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, oh, okay, so they have they have Drew Locke. They blew it. They, they blew it. They Put every they built around their quarterback. They didn't bring Joe Flacco back. Um, they they brought in Jeff Driscoll, who was most recently with the Lions. I think he's a Florida guy, isn't he? Um, Played at Louisiana Florida. Louisiana Tech. Was it Louisiana Tech? Yeah, and I think he, the Louisiana Tech's had some pretty good offenses and quarterbacks through the years. But um, you know, I, we're talking. Yeah, we're talking probably a career backup in the league. He's he started five games for Cincy. Well, they played Pittsburgh pretty hard last week. They week, played, though. yeah, they they but now they did. They absolutely did. Hundred percent. They mm-hmm. only end up losing twenty six twenty one, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and that was in Pittsburgh. And I think Pittsburgh's a pretty good team this Very year. Very good, and it's hard to win in Pittsburgh. So they, um, their second quarterback is Jeff Driscoll, who has like eight career starts yeah. and one career win, but he's been with terrible teams. Um, they didn't have a third quarterback on the active roster. Their third quarterback is Brett Rippon. Um, who was an undrafted signee last year, spent the year on the practice squad, and is back on the practice squad this year. But that's the third quarterback in the house. Now, depending upon how long Drew Locke's going to be out, you would think they would bring in another quarterback. So they're not down to just two. But as their head coach was saying on Monday, he's like, well, with the procedures, we couldn't get a guy ready anyway. If we tried to sign somebody on Monday, yeah, we're not going to have him in practice until probably Thursday or Friday. Yeah, we can't get a guy ready. And the reason it's 72 hours. You have to test three days in a row, so it's 72-hour testing. So the, if you if you are trying yeah. to solve a problem that you didn't know you had until Sunday night and you can't sign a guy until Monday, uh, yeah, he's not it's, help it's almost impossible to yeah. solve that problem. The, the solution has to come internally. Right. Unless, and that's an interesting, yeah. and it's a tough situation for them. Yeah, the only way you could do it is if you cut somebody that knows your system and you're bringing them back. Yeah, right? like if uh, – yeah. yeah, good point. Like if, you know, it was that some problem for us and maybe Reed Sinet was available. He's right. not. Like, no, he's but yeah, Miami, but. just someone who was in basic camp with you for a little bit and has some knowledge to help you out. And that would be more doable at a lot of other positions than it would be a quarterback. Well, this is true. This is so true. that's – that's but a tough th- situation. This is a game, and I know what you're saying. This is a game that you would think that you should be able to to win this game. I mean, you think that in every game, but in this particular instance, you feel pretty strong about it. But you know, but it p- is on the road. It is on the road. Yeah. Um, it is at high altitude. Yes, uh, we have not been there in eight years. Has so it been that long since we've been there? It's always eight years. Wow. If, if it's an AFC team. Yeah, yeah, I know I understand that, but you know like it's it, yeah, you forget that it takes so long to to go back somewhere. But I think it's just cuz I've been to Denver personally, so maybe that's why I Man, there the the only reason I'm the only thing that I feel good about not going on this trip cuz I really like Denver. I love Denver. And I've only been there a couple times. I would like to go on again, but the one bad thing about that trip is the airport is located roughly 16 hours from downtown yeah <laughs> well it's a bus ride actually actually it's about a 25 30 minute drive it's more than that no it i i just drove i, I i've driven it before it it's, it's i'll say 40 all right with traffic the only one that's right. worse in the nfl is when you leave a washington game well that's true but the only the only weird part about that airport is you get off the interstate you know when you're going to the denver airport you get off the interstate and then you're just you're still on an inter you're still on the highway but there's nothing around. It's like this plateau. And you don't even, yeah, you don't even see, you know, you're in the plains right now. Yeah, it's and, this plateau yeah, yeah. Is, is like brown uh-huh. all And you around. just keep going. You're right. Like, where are we? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a couple gas stations pop up, and then there's this airport. It looks like it's a bunch of tents, the way it, oh, it, yeah. it sweeps over. That. Yeah, yeah. Don't they have some big statue? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I do know that there's a ton of lightning there, that flights get delayed all the time. Oh, there. really? Yeah. Well, we know a lot about that around yes. here. Yes, but but that being said, um, yeah, I'm a little disappointed we're not going to be be going on this. But, again, you know, um, with COVID, it's just, you know. It's what it is. It is, yeah. We are at peace with it. I am not at peace with it, Scott. <laughs> I am really not. I am I am being a, a 
I'm trying really, really hard. Being a good soldier. Yeah, I, 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 I really am trying to be good. But I, I'm, no, it, 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 it doesn't make me happy. It just, now, it, it's a me, different feel. Let me. What you mean though is not. Oh, I Jeff Ryan don't get to go on eight road trips. You mean running the radio broadcast yes. without getting to go? That is yeah. the part that you it, are that's, missing. That's the part I miss. Well, you guys right. did an excellent job. Thank you in the first in the first road. Thank game, you. Operating from the stadium, the Raymond yeah. James Stadium. It was. I will say this. It was. It was pretty cool in the fact that we have different feeds than what you're seeing at home, and um, some feeds that you are seeing at home, we're getting those feeds too. So I will say the NFL has been really cooperative in allowing us to have some uh, coaches' feeds, and it really helps um, what we're trying to do to bring those who aren't watching yeah. it that's how, you know, like, true action. For instance, that's how Dave Moore can sometimes give you insights. Sure. sure. Well, it's, how, it's, how that play unfolded. Yeah, it's called the All-22, and, and as you well know, it, it, it helps for formations. It helps for a, a, a number of things that – you're basically you're looking at the whole field rather than just on TV. You're just looking at these little portions and 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 in, and it, it 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 was funny because we did one game you know without being there and then one game being there and being there it made me go it it cracked me up all over again because yeah that. because because you're just you're looking you're looking down you're seeing the bench you're just looking at stuff that you you know that you're reporting on. Um, that you just don't see remotely. But all that being said, it's a great broadcast, so you should tune it in and find <laughs> out for yourself. How's that? Yes, it is a great yeah, broadcast. Yeah, it is. Uh, got good people, you know. He's good people. Good people, you, you know. People my, my, uh, my people, good people. These people are good people. So, um, want, you, you probably want to wrap this up. Well, we're fine. We're at 30 minutes, but, okay, you know, people can speed through if they don't let, like let it. Let me ask you one more question so sure. you can get on a roll here. Who's the leading tackler in the NFL? Mm, Levante David. You chose the wrong one. Oh, Devin White. Devin White has 26 tackles already. I, I had a 50-50 chance yeah, on that one. Okay, ready. how many does Levante David have? 20. Well, that's not so far off. No, but he's he's like tied for 10th. Oh, But 26 wow. tackles through two games. Uh, these these stats only go back through 1987. But um, 26 tackles through two games is as many as any Bucks ever had since then, the first two games. Tying... The mark set by Derek Brooks, really, in like 2000, I think 2000, 2001. At this point, you like to be you like to be saying notes about your players that involve the name Derek Brooks. Yeah, that's a good sign. But I think we're seeing Devin White now. Now, I think Coach said that he got a little bit gassed towards the end because they were on the field a lot. Sure, he did. He even missed a few tackles and still got to 15. But I think there was a lot more good than there was bad. In oh, that game. he's no starting to look like I'm believing this some special thing. You know, mm -hmm. he had, in addition to his 15 tackles, he had. A quarterback hit, so he was getting in the backfield. He had a pass defense, so he's mm -hmm. making plays in uh, in coverage. He's feeling the game. Yeah, and he's just he's he, that speed and that range that was in the scouting report are showing up now because he knows what he's doing. I think we got a lot of really good young guys. We do have a lot of good young, really guys. good young guys that that are excelling quicker than I thought they would. So, fingers crossed. Hope it still goes. So. Well, yeah, you need to stay healthy, and you just need these guys. But, I mean, I also have a lot of trust in Todd Bowles. Yes. Um, well, he was a head coach before, you know, a good defensive coordinator, was a yeah. head coach. He's a smart man. He's, he got the guys believing in the system. I wouldn't. I don't know if I ever would have believed that I would be on board with a defense that is called so aggressively. Yeah. Coming from our background with Monty Kiffin and the <laughs> cover two and, you know, make them work for it and – Ben don't break. Well, I, I will say this: we play better man than zone. I'm just saying. We have good man corners. We, we, we really do. Yeah, I I would just throw the zone out. I mean, I'm not a defensive <laughs> coordinator, but I'm just saying is most of those yards that Carolina, yeah, Carolina was it, when we were playing zone, we were like, what are we doing? Well, we were you know. playing a little bit of um, don't lose defense, and that tends to lead, lead to a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, I know, but it's it usually usually when teams go man to man, they can't they they don't we, play as well. So. I think you have to mix it up though, so the quarterback doesn't know. Sure. If he knows everyone's man to man, then you know what to call. Yeah, that's every true. Play. That's true. You want them to call a play they think will work against a man, and that's the play you happen to be in zone. Mm -hmm. But you know, back in the day, one of the reasons Monty Kiffin's style or the Buck style when he was around was worked so well was that you could get so much pressure with just your four guys up front. Yeah. And you know, we had Hall of Famers up there. Sure. Uh, and that's hard to duplicate in the NFL. And so most teams have to at least blitz to some extent in order to 
you know, yeah. have a decent pass rush. It all starts with the front four. But most he, people know that. But uh, Todd Bowles is generally every week and then every season he's among the league leaders in terms of um, percentage of I, percentage of plays in which you send an ex more than four people at the quarterback. I love uh, yeah, I, I I love the aggressiveness. Well, it's, the yeah. thing about it is I've seen hyper aggressive coordinators. I think Greg Williams might be one who it doesn't necessarily work because, as you know, there's a big, bigger risk-reward there. Mm -hmm. And if you're not succeeding, but if you're being hyper-aggressive but not getting to the quarterback, um, you can give up lots of big plays. Right. Todd Bowles has, has generally been able to succeed with a very aggressive style. That's why I'm liking it. It's a successful aggressive style. I think a lot of it has to do with disguising. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it now, at least with this group, has to do with personnel because you just said it. We've got good man corners. Yeah, You need good man done. corners if you're going to be that aggressive. All right. All right. So, That's good. All right. You want to get to our guests? Let's do it. All right. The Salty Dogs. And welcome back to the Salty Dogs podcast. And this is where we get our guests to join us. And we're excited today to have one of the big, big playmakers from the Bucks' first win last week, safety Jordan Whitehead. Jordan, I know it's a busy day on a Wednesday especially. So thanks for your time, man. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Thank you for having me. Let's just start right there with that interception, the first takeaway of the entire season for the Buccaneers. Huge momentum swing uh, sort of led to the offense then getting on the field and scoring 21 straight points. Can can you take us through that play a little bit? Right. So uh, we was in cover three, and um, they had a bunch formation, um, backs offset. And it was just like they were driving down the field a little bit. They came on that formation, and you know, you knew something was coming towards that way, uh, Sean Bunning, the corner, had told me to scoot up before the play actually yeah, yeah. a little bit, <laughs> just to work on my, uh, get closer to, he knew something was coming that way. Uh, we seen there in practice all week, um, ran the screen, I heard, like, you could hear clear and loudly from the sidelines, from the coaches, everybody yelling screen, so I just planted my foot, um, broke on it, and then had to overthrow, and just was happened to be there and made the play. Yeah, we saw, um, uh, Sean was talking about that in his mic'd up segment. So we got right. to see that and hear that and tell him to scoot up. But he was talking about it today. And he said, you already, he was just basically reminding you that you had yeah. already figured out exactly what they were going to do. Right. So we, uh, in practice, we were getting that formation and we were getting like, we got screen out of that. We got like routes um, out of that, but you knew something was coming this way. So it was just a matter of uh, getting the ball out. The ball was going to come out quick. Um, so it was just him telling me to move up just because he knew like it was something was coming this way. And I was kind of like, in front of him, close to him. So we were just trying to get some space from each other. But yeah, so it was, uh, it was a good call, um, good communication between everybody on defense and made a play. It's interesting you bring up the communications because previously in other games, there's been conversation of, hey, we need to improve on communications. What, what's the difference now? Is, right. I mean, because seriously, I mean, if he's telling you what you already mm -hmm. know, that's great. Right. So yeah, so uh, starts in practice, starts from film room. Um, and that's just really like, that's the next step we needed. Uh, you know, you, we, we, we got to be ready to talk on the field and before the play, if you could do that, you see what happened. Uh, you got it on, got it on film, him telling me step up and the communication was good and you see good things come out of it. So I think we need to keep up more of that um, and the whole game, um, every call, every personnel, every defense we run and uh, just talk through it with each other and it makes it easier. So it becomes a real trust uh, factor between what oh, he's telling you and what you're believing sure. and what you're seeing. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, him telling me that just like, and it made me make it a playoff. Of it. Like, I'm trusting, I'm trusting Sean from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, all the jobs out there are hard. Is your specific role particularly hard? And I, I asked that because a couple of things you see is there's a lot of plays where you're kind of pointing guys places. Mm -hmm. uh, you're directing what's going on. And also a lot of times when the other team puts somebody in motion, you're, you're a guy that moves. Right. So, so is your job particularly hard? So there's definitely, uh, as a safeties in this defense, you got to have no all the checks. You got to make all the calls. Uh, so you definitely got to do your study and do your part. Uh, but we got a coach, great coach, Coach Rapone, does a great job teaching us what we need to know, teaches us everything we need to know. And then as long as the safeties are on the same page, uh, you know, you get it down. It'll be very easy. Uh, it's kind of just like a chess game. Like you, you see the formation, you got to think about what's going to happen before the play starts. Um, if they're going to motion, you just got to kind of think about it in your head before it happens and it'll, it'll be easy. But once you get going and once you know the defense, um, you know, every offense, it's, you can't do too much different stuff. So 
it's kind of like kind of watching your film by game time is it'll be easy if you do your job during the week for you personally how comfortable are you in this defense right now oh i feel pretty good real good actually in this defense just you know um being second year in this defense and knowing where the blitz is coming from where where i'm supposed to disguise that and things like that it's i'm a lot clearer um working with antoine back there um communication has been great and like you know he's he's been helping me a lot to just talking and telling me like just little hints before the play talking like what's the call what we need to do and like we just back and forth communication with each other makes it a lot easier so definitely um you know, it's not all me just making the calls. It's Antoine. It's the backers uh, that make the calls. So definitely uh, props out to them guys, too. How about you brought up Antoine? I was yeah, just going to yeah. ask about him. And you said something interesting there that you guys are giving each other tips. You're, you're in your third season. He's played two NFL games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty impressive. How good do you think this kid's going to be? I think he'll be great. You know, he um, he puts his nose in a run game. He could cover. He could blitz. Like, that's the ultimate safety, you know. He could play any position on the defense. So, um, the, the offense guys, our quarterback don't know what we're in because he can be up by the line, I could be up by the line, and it looks the same, but we're different players, so they don't know. And uh, him learning early and being able to call things out and just how comfortable he is out there, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. He's going to keep growing from there. You know, you, you look yeah, around. Wait. Jeff, Go ahead. wait, Mike Pahanek just asked us to pause this for a second. Sorry, it's my fault. Um, special teams guys were... They're, they're ready. Are they ready? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Right. Well, I, you, you know what? You don't have to come back. No, no. no. He doesn't don't come back. back. <laughs> it's sure? fine. It's yeah, fine. absolutely. We'll yeah. explain what happened here right here. Yeah. Even have, this it is, was good stuff. Yeah. Good? Yeah, yeah you're very, worried very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Let's not even um, – hey, Jeff, let's yeah. not even cut this part out. Let's tell everybody what's going on right oh, now. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean um, – so, so for those of you listening, we had Jordan Whitehead, and lots of times um, they uh, they are just on their phone with us after a uh, – you know, after their day's fully done or something. But this time Jordan was getting it in. He's being very nice. It was a very last-minute thing because we had another guest we were supposed to have that suddenly couldn't do it. Right. Um, and so he was very gracious to join us. Thought we had enough time to get it in, but uh, he was just told that he has to get to a special teams meeting. And something that Jeff and I know, <laughs> football is king. It's, it's real simple to say, run, run, run. And what's, what's amazing is, is uh, Michael Bahanek, the uh, director of communications, uh, text me and I didn't answer my text because, you know, I don't ever look at my phone. <laughs> right. Dogs. And you okay. had, to, you looked at your phone. I'm glad but, I did. I know. So am I. And, uh, um, but yeah, it is crazy because we, we're, you know, we're, we're zooming this and it's, it's, we appreciate the guy's time, but no, I'm not getting in the way of football. And besides we were only four minutes short of what we oh, tell him, what we were. I doing. mean, he, it was good stuff that he gave us. And he was actually, instead of being on his phone, he was sitting there in that room that we use for all the zoom calls. And like you said, like Jeff said, Michael Pahanek of the communications department was helping us out. I, I really wanted to, I, I, uh, and I'm, we're going to get him back, but I really, it, it kind of excites me because he was talking about all the communication and I wanted to know you know, he's in his second year, but if he looks, yeah, or third year rather, and he looks around the defense, the guys on his, how young they are and how good they can be if they all stick together for a while, you know, this kind of throws it back yeah. to the day. Yeah, for sure. That's very, very exciting. Um, I'm glad he was there long enough to talk about uh, his safety buddy, Antoine Winfield. Cause yeah. I mean, we've had, for some reason, well, every player that we've had a Zoom call with this week has been asked what they think of Antoine Winfield, and it's like glowing across the board. People are so impressed by this kid, and uh, and certainly Jordan Whitehead would know. He's the closest one to him on the field most of the time. Right. So, right. yeah. It, I, I just get this feeling that Antoine Winfield is going to be a star. He, it, he's someone special. He's someone special. I mean, if he, I mean, his dad played 14 seasons, yeah. so it's not like he hasn't been around and he certainly understands what it takes to be a professional and he's doing it immediately. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Jordan gave us some pretty good description of what was going on on those plays. And yeah, that's great. That's good stuff. And if you haven't watched, if you're listening to this and you, if you haven't watched that Sean Murphy bunting 
mic'd up segment on Buccaneers.com, you need to. It's it's really entertaining. But you'll also get an idea of what he was talking about there. Good. So you ready to do segment yeah. three? <laughs> yeah, let's take a quick break and then do the uh, do the question. The Salty Dogs. All right, that was fun. So now we're back for our third segment. So our first segment is is just you and me, Joe. Sure. It's, it's our little powwow. Yep. And then our second segment, you know, we, we, we welcome in a guest to share the space with us. And then our third segment is about the fans. And that's why I put what the mark is so you can go right to the guest if yeah. you don't want to hear. But you know what? I think a lot of people want to get our take on things, and you never know what's going to go, which way we're going to go. Because Probably some people – out there yelling, no, that's totally wrong. Yeah, but, but that's, that's fine too. But that's right. That's it. This is where we take questions that are sent in, which you can do to at salty no salty dogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Please do. We love mm-hmm. them. We'll, we'll we'll get to your question. I, I almost I love them. I love them. I almost guarantee we'll get to your question if you send one. In, sure. Assuming it's yeah. you know not too blue. Well, we don't we don't censor that much. We don't censor much, but if somebody was right. like going crazy i wouldn't read that well i understand that's called common sense but go ahead well that's why i was walking back that guarantee a little bit yeah. somebody, oh you guaranteed you'd read it and then there's a lot of well F- we we, we could we could we just choose not I'll hit to hit the cough button the yeah entire time that I'm reading. right i'll just put a beep in everything I, these are all very nicely worded questions so let's get to them all right let's do it dogs i have a friend's a friend that's a fan of the broncos all right sorry about that yeah. we don't agree on much but we both agree that john lynch was one of the best safeties to play the game and should be in the hall of fame yep no argument there continue definitely the hall of fame it was very tough for me to see lynch in another uniform what bucks player was the most difficult for y'all to watch he actually spelled out y'all uh-huh. for y'all to watch play for another team Thanks again for the great podcast, Sam, in Nashville, Tennessee. P.S. Yes, I was at the game in Nashville last year and the one in 2011. Looking forward to hopefully leaving the stadium with a smile on my face in 2027. Yeah. See, he, he, he knows. gets the rotation. Sure, he gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I under, I get it. Every so, eight years. So, Jeff, who was, who's been tough for you to leave, see, watch? Well, uh, it was tough. I, I mean, you'd have. I'd say most people would say, uh, John Lynch, I would say most people would feel that Can way. Can you do another one that we haven't yep. already named? Um, Sap. Eh. Yeah, see, you're like, uh, but see, I, I, I thought I mean, that. he went to the Raiders. It's, it I, didn't, he, I, we didn't have to see him very often. Right. It seemed like a good fit. He yeah. already given us his best. I think it hurt us because, uh, you know, they were chasing to replace him, and they never did find I mean, if that we're piece. Just, if we're just saying, let's name the best players in Bucks history who subsequently played for somewhere else, right. and obviously the list starts with sure. Lynch and 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 sap right because probably the five best players in team history are those two leroy selman Derek brooks and ronnie barber mm-hmm. and selman brooks and barber amazingly all played their entire careers as buccaneers see now for me too it would be guys that i really really liked a lot and, and if you and, wanted to put mike Allstad in that group he also played his entire career for the yeah Bucaneers. yeah i would say I, I would say it was weird for me to see work i done. was waiting for that i was giving yeah. you the first chance i, I was you and know, then we had to play him twice mm-hmm, a year mm-hmm. right and it was also because because I had known him for so many years before he left. It was weird to see Dave Moore go to Buffalo, you know. But they all—that's definitely a good choice. You know, that's that's one they of those. Both came back, and they both came back. Yeah, and they both missed the the, the most important year in franchise <laughs> history after <Barely>. they <laughs> as, as they both put blood, sweat, and tears into it, yeah. hoping that. But both th- of them made the very correct decision because the Bucks were not going to pay them no. nearly what they, their right. new teams were going to pay them, and they deserved those contracts. But it's it'd be curious to know if they knew in advance that the Bucks were going to win the Super Bowl in 2 would they have, would they have stayed would they have for taken one more it? year? Yeah, maybe take a one year deal. I mean, you can't know that obviously. No, but are they kicking themselves or are they going? Eh, you know what? I had to make this decision, so yeah. it is what it's it is. It's a role that I, it's, as Dave says, he's hoping that we win the Super Bowl and he gets a ring as a broadcaster. So yeah, you know? there you go. <laughs> I said, great, you know, all those years. There's got to be a couple others. Yeah. Usually, uh, I think about these before I come in here, so that I have a great advantage over you. Yeah, I, Paul Gruber it, never left. No, I think it's more effect about Tony Mabry you know left. how it affected the team when they leave. That's that's kind of how I I view it. Okay, well then, Warwick's um, a big one. Although we did manage to replace him with Michael Pittman pretty well. Yeah, um, I, I'll give you one, and not a lot of people cared, but you know, I, it, I was kind of happy for them afterwards, and that was Trent Dilfer. I thought, oh, okay. I thought Trent had a, um, he had a hard go in Tampa. It wasn't an easy transition for him. Period in his time here, and he, he had a lot of things, and you know, he was a good to me. He was really a good guy. So, and still is a good guy. 
and when when um, when he moved on, and then having to you know, and then coming back. I mean, you talk about writing a story. You know, a team says, "Okay, you're out of here. You leave." So, what's the one thing you want to do? You want to prove that they're wrong. And yes, he was on a great team with a great defense, and uh, he was the backup. But you know what? He he managed that team the best he could. And he came back to Tampa and wins the Super yeah, you Bowl. You can't take that away you from can, him. No, you can no. say all you want about the great defense. Yeah, and but but you know you, you're you're part of it, so there's that. Um, I got one. I got one. I got one. I, go ahead, Hardy Nickerson. Yeah, well, Didn't you know, he go to the he went to the Packers Jags. and the Jags. No, he went. To, I think he went to the Jags first and then the Packers. Okay, I think, but I but I thought you know. I remember thinking him in a Jaguars uniform was, and he's another guy that deserved to be on that Super Bowl team, even though sure. he left three years before, so it wasn't yeah. a near miss. But um, he was really a big part of turning around the culture here. Yeah, well, he was he was what a free agent could do for a team. You know, he was with Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh wasn't going to pay him. Um, he wasn't, ex- you know, I don't he think. He wasn't the heart of their defense. No, he wasn't the heart of their defense. And he came here and he brought a style and an ethic and was teaching young guys how to be a pro. Yeah, it was, he made a big difference. I think, um, and um, so, you know. When you start thinking about players, and, and it's hard because for me, a lot of it is, you know, your personal relationships, as, as yeah, you sure. well know. You know, we, we look at players and they may be really great players, but, you know, on a personal level, and when I say a personal level, your interaction with them is not as what you think it is. There's two personas, so to speak. Oh, for sure. And so I kind of go with more of, of, you know, how it went with The me. first big player to leave after I got here was Vinny. Yeah. Because I got here in 92, and he left after that season. Right. And, and I don't think the Bucks made a great effort to retain him either. No, I don't think they wanted to, right. did they? They wanted to move on because they had been the team had been bad for his entire, what, six years here? Yeah. And it just, I don't think they thought he was the future. Now, Vinny went on to have a really nice career. Oh, he played for a really long time. Yeah, he threw for, started for like 20 years. and Yeah, he left us and went to Cleveland. Which became Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, then he, he went to the Jets. Jets, Panthers. You know, and I th- when I think of Vinny, when I think of Vinny Testaverde, it, it's a hard go because he played in Miami, and that's when Miami was really, really good, yeah, and they were. Also. And he was a first round pick, so you have all that pressure. And but I thought was was interesting that he was on the couch, and then came in and beat us afterwards. You know, that he, was in the Jets, <laughs> the Panthers. No, I think it's the, the Jets. Yeah, it was. It was they that of all those injuries. Yeah, and he and he comes <laughs> off the couch and beats us. So you kind of, you kind of, you look at that stuff and go, "Wow, you can't write this I stuff." I think we just played really bad in that game. Well, we did. We were horrible. Threw a bunch of interceptions. Yeah, it was really windy. I think we threw like fifty-eight thousand. That was times. the day that was really windy. <laughs> yes. And yet we're throwing the ball like sixty times. <laughs> yes, yes. I have friends who still harp about it. Right. That. Right. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, that, that I can't remember question. what we had for lunch today, but I that remember That was a good that. question, Sam. It was a great question. Thank you. I wish I could think of some more of them. Well, you know what? The fun part about a question Brad like Johnson? that. Yeah. Well, yeah. But Brad had won a Super Bowl with yeah. us, and it was kind of like, he, you know, was, you know, for him, it was good. Um, but that's a great question that can go on and on and on. I mean, you know, people can be reflect upon it and go, oh, why didn't they think of this guy? So if you think of some names, write them in. And I wasn't here for it, but I imagine some people might feel that way about Hugh Green. Yeah, that was a big deal when Hugh left. He went, he but left he here, and went to player. Miami. He was a very good player, and uh, on a on a Still really good defense. Hmm? So I'll tell you one. I'm going to go. Oh gosh, what was his name? How about Donnie Abraham? Yeah, Donnie was yeah. That was one because he was so good for us, so good. He went to the Jets. There was a there was a um, D lineman, defensive play. Yeah, I think it was a D lineman who played for the Bucks in the seventies, in the beginning, like seventy seven, seventy eight, and he left and went to the Raiders. And Dave Pear. Dave Pear. Everybody was upset over really? that one. Yeah, if you look back, I think at he was the, our first ever Pro Bowler. Yeah, if you look back, that uh, I didn't know that his departure was. Yeah, that so was bemoaned. a that was bemoaned. Yes, <laughs> as you say. All right, moving on to the next question. Okay. Uh, oh, salty ones of the high seas. Oh, poetic. You've mentioned a few times. Oh, this is what we were talking about earlier a little bit. That the traveling party is really restricted this year. 
and that both of you are not making the road trips like you usually do. I'm sure that's a bummer, but I'm glad it hasn't affected the podcast. Well, yeah, yeah. there's no reason it would. No. So since you won't be making any new road trip memories this year, which isn't necessarily it's not true. true. Things yet. can change. I am I am taking it week by week. I'm not necessarily optimistic that no. things can change. You aren't, but I am. You are, that's true. You keep talking about maybe the Chicago game, maybe yeah, this game. Right. I'm just going to not worry about it yeah, until I and if it happens. So since you won't be making any, any new road trip memories this year, I wanted to ask you what your favorite road trips through the years have been. Thanks for reading my question. If you do, Carlos M., he's from St. Pete. You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Um, because of the cultural experience. I knew it. You took, you're taking my answer, darn it. Go oh, ahead. Tokyo? Yeah, for 100%. Not even close. When when I tell people that we did a game in Tokyo, they they, they go, you got to I can't be, believe I got to go to Tokyo. Uh, and it was a preseason game. And we were there for like five days. Yeah, we left on a Tuesday and came back on a Sunday. It was great. It was so much yes. fun. It was so much fun. It was a very cultural experience. Went to Mount Fuji. I don't think I did that. No, we did. I we remembered it. Yes. Uh, it was pretty cool. Exploring um, that enormous downtown. It's so huge. Mm-hmm. Was on a bullet train. Uh, doing 150 miles an hour awesome. on a cell phone, doing a call in on the radio station, <laughs> and it was working because I had so a, I had an international. This you gotta remember, this was 2004. This is before iPhones. 2003 or 2003, yes, after the Super Bowl, right? And um, it was, it was technology was just coming about, and so I got an inter. You had to get an international phone. You didn't just get a SIM card and um, it was a StarTac phone, you know, which was a flip. It was a pretty good phone. And we were doing all types of different interviews from um, from Tokyo. And we were on our way to uh, Mount Fuji because we wanted to see Mount Fuji. And it was right after practice on a Friday. And we had to take two trains, get on a bullet train, and then take a two-hour bus ride. And so during that time, there was a 13-hour – no, it was a – yeah, there was a time difference, and so I had to record some stuff to go back. So in order to go to Mount Fuji, we were just we were trying to see if the phone would work, and it was like crystal clear. It's amazing. Um, that was a great experience. I love the food. The food was really really good. Um, I remember that we had some kind of staff meal with about, about ten people there, and I don't remember what the restaurant was, but they we didn't even order anything. They just brought out like a whole bunch of different uh-huh. stuff and put it on the table. And my I decided I'm going to try every single thing. Even if it doesn't look good to me, even if I think I probably won't like it, I'm going to try absolutely everything. And it was a good decision because almost all of it was great. The one thing I learned when when we were over there is uh, the Japanese people are very, very polite. That's true. And if you're asking for directions or if you're asking for information from them, even though they're telling you no, they shake their head (laughs) yes. Now, for us, it was it was really great because we had an interpreter. Oh. Um, uh, I can't remember her name. She went to the University of, of South Florida, and she uh, happened to listen to the radio station and knew we were going over, and her parents lived outside of Tokyo, oh. and she was going to be there. Oh, wow. So she became our interpreter, which How was cool great. that? Well, it was really cool because we couldn't get the broadcast lines to work, and she was my interpreter to tell him what I needed done. It was, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's great. What? So that was an easy answer for both of us. Sure. Anything else come to mind? Well, um, you know, back when there was a team in St. Louis, I always appreciated those trips because I got to see my family. And one of them was around Christmas. So I got to stay there for Christmas, mm-hmm. which was cool. It's funny you say that. I uh, We did a Carolina game on Christmas Eve. And um, my parents uh, lived two hours away from Charlotte. And it was the first time in, I want to say, 20-some years that all the kids and everybody were together. Cool. Uh, and we were able to do that because of, you know, you were, you know, I didn't fly back on the team plane, was able yeah. to drive. So um, those when you L- get some London sp- experiences were really yeah, good. Yeah, a little bit underwhelmed. They're fine. Yeah, you were. Well, uh, the last one was great because uh, my wife and son came over. Sure, and you and went, we to went, to, went to Paris. So sure. okay, that's true. But the first two, I thought were fine, but they. I don't need to see London that much anymore. I'd love to go back to Paris, though. Um, I thought doing the Hall of Fame game was an interesting experience. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. That would Just be the bottom well, of the list for me. Well, though. I understand, but it's one that you cross, you, you can cross off a, as having done. Oh, yay. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's just 
I could go eat a cockroach and cross off. Well, when we that. when we did the Hall of Fame game, that was a long time long ago. time ago. It was that old high school? Stadium. It was a high school stadium well, at that is. point. I think it still is. Yeah, but they really upgraded it tremendously. Um, what else was cool? I guess when you get to see cool stadiums, uh, the Seattle Stadium. You know, that was a neat trip. Lambo's always fun. The, yeah, Green Bay's, Green Bay's always fun, and, and that sort of quaint um, Paper Valley Inn. And, yeah, sure. Appleton, and Appleton, Nina, all those great areas. Now, you you were around, too, when uh, uh, when they used to play at uh, in Milwaukee, right? Did a game in Milwaukee? I, I, got, I think I went to one game in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I remember I did because it was at the baseball stadium. Yep. And I want to say it was County Mac, but I, I, I might be Milwaukee wrong. County Stadium, I think. Well, maybe. It was at the baseball stadium, and because you're playing on the field, so on on one side of the field, the stands were really far away, Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other side, they were close, and at the bottom of the stands, you couldn't see over the players to see the field from the first whatever rows, and so they put both teams on the same sideline on the other side. They just, one team was from the 50 to the other goal line, and... The other team was and, like, oh, and on and in the corner of in, in the yeah. corner of one of the end zones was a wall. Yeah, it, it cut <laughs> off like the corner. Yes. Yeah, that was weird. I'm not saying that was a great trip or a great. No, place no, to play, it, was but it was just it was an experience. It was an experience. Yeah, um, but you know, I mean, it, I think every road trip has its own unique. It depends on the city, depends on what's going on. But Tokyo will always Tokyo's be, number one. Yeah, and, the, yeah. unless we get to go somewhere else. That's even better, but it'd be hard to imagine. Because mm-hmm. I think Tokyo would be better than, say, Mexico City. We've already been to London. Yeah, we've been to London. Where else? Well, I guess they could put a game in, in like Canada or Toronto or something. But I still don't think that would trump. Yeah, Tokyo. that would that would trump Tokyo. Germany might be pretty cool. Yeah, but or maybe Australia. It. Maybe that would. Oh, be, uh, that would be cool. Yeah, I, having Can been there, that, that would be awesome. I haven't been there. Oh, uh, that is. That is a that is a bucket list dream. Let's, let's put it on a remote tropical island. Shall we? Yeah, let's play a game on a remote tropical island. Well, aren't we kind of that way in Florida? Most people think Florida is like a tropical island. You know, who are these most people that you're? Well, out most with? people think if you're if you're from the north, you this think is neither tropical. You wouldn't call this tropical, would you? Uh, yeah, I think tropical's more southern here, but equatorial. it is. No, if if you're is Florida considered tropical? I never. I don't think I've ever heard it called tropical. Well, pretty damn close. And, if you're, and if by you're, the way, it's an isthmus, not an island. I understand that. I said it was kind of like. I didn't say it was. Wow. Kind of like. Yeah. Okay. When people first moved down here, <laughs> I mean, we do have. Palm we palms. have the Gulf of Mexico, correct? We do. That's not an ocean. But if you talk to people who visit down here, they say they went into the ocean. Right, it seems like the ocean. And it's not the ocean. Right, but it seems but like But exactly. So you kind of, that's what I mean and so they feel like it's tropical. They feel like if you're if you're coming out of I don't know, Minnesota in the middle of January and you come here, it feels It might as well be It tropical. might as well be tropical. It might as well be Costa Rica. Okay. There all you right. go. Now, one more question. All right. <laughs> okay. My reading glasses. Gosh, I'm going all over the place today. Sorry. One more and it's quick. Scott and Jeff, I'll make this quick. Should Le- Leonard Fournette be the starter? Please discuss among yourselves. And I'm out, Mark Lane. No. It doesn't matter. No, it's 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 by committee. Now, this is an example of if you go all the way back to the very beginning of this podcast where I said, I find it funny how everybody's worried about who's doing what so early right now. And I, I don't think it's ever going to be just one person. I think it's going to be a committee, and whoever has the hot hand at that time is... It is clear now through 18 games that Bruce Arians wants to have several of what you'd call featured backs, and he wants to use them both. He had Peyton Barber, but he wanted to use Ronald Jones, too. Mm-hmm. And they did that all year, no matter who was the starter. It was Peyton for the first seven games, Ronald Jones for the last nine. But it didn't really change that much in terms of how many carries they got because one guy would get hot. Right. Like, like you said. And Bruce also said this. It's a hell of an advantage to have a guy with fresh legs in the third quarter. Yeah, that's 100% true, obviously. And that, that could switch and be 
Fournette early. Sure. Jones late. Sure. But it doesn't matter a whole lot. No. Now, well, listen. Now, is that fantasy football talk? Is I that, doubt it. Is, I don't think is, so. Is, you think that's, that's I think what it is is we're talking about a guy who was drafted fourth overall, and mm-hmm. a lot of people still think of, and they may be right, we'll see, of, sure. as a potential superstar. Well, he probably will be. At LSU, you see his highlight. Highly, I can understand. Unbelievable. Even though, even then, this was 2017, I believe, when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. By that point, the NFL's collective opinion on this had already swung, and most teams didn't feel like a really high draft pick was you shouldn't. It's, it wasn't worthwhile taking a running back as a really high draft pick because there you can find them in a lot of places, and their careers are, are relatively short. Uh huh. Um, and he's only what 25. Yeah, he's still young. Yeah. And so, but but every now and then, guy comes along like Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette, mm-hmm. where a t- or Saquon Barkley, poor guy. Yeah, where, he's hurt. Where teams go, okay, this guy's enough of a difference maker that I will take a running back in the top five or the yeah. top ten. And that's what Leonard Fournette looked like coming out of LSU because you saw those highlight films. He's a big dude. And then he breaks out in the open and nobody can touch him. No. He did, t- turns on the Jets. Supposedly, well, not supposedly, he did. He went into the huddle and told the guys, give me an inch. Yeah, isn't that and, great? And Ali Marpet said that it was pretty cool because – you know, he hoping to give him more, but if all he needs is an inch, we'll do it. And and not only did he say it, he lived up to it. He 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 did the job. They gave him more than an inch. Yeah. But that was a cool story, and it's one of those where you sometimes wonder, eh, that sounds like an exaggeration. Yeah. But then Allie was talking today, and he said, yeah, that happened. Yeah. So I think probably what he meant was, okay, so we got the ball there after the failed onside kick and had um, really just needed to get a first down. Sure. Because they had two timeouts, and there was like, what, a minute 30 left or something. So one first down, you're going to be able to run out the clock. We just need to get – because two two plays are going to call her two timeouts. Yep. Okay, so you needed one first down. And I wonder if that's what he meant. He's like, yeah. just give me a little bit of but a crack, it, and, and I'll, I'll pound it through yeah. there for – maybe it take two or three plays, we're going to get that first down. But, no, it's wide open, mm-hmm. and then he just accelerated. And so he gets uh, – Mike Evans gave him a really good block, too. He accelerates so fast through that hole that Shaq Thompson sees him coming and tries to react, and the best he can end up doing is just diving at his feet as he's going by. Yeah. So at that point, he's got two guys, one to his right, and it's a safety. Uh, I can't think of, uh, I think it was Trey Boston. And then one to his left, it's a cornerback, Russell Douglas. Mike Evans takes that guy out with a great block. And so it's Leonard Fournette and this safety, and they start out even. Like yep. the safety's about a yard or two to his side, but they're at the same yard mark. And then it's just whoosh, and the safety slowly starts yeah. getting pulled away from. That's the kind of thing long. that you saw in the LSU highlight tape. Yes. So now if Leonard Fournette starts breaking off lots of plays like that sure. or starts putting 100-yard game, game after another on the board, then yes, of course he will become the starter. Mm-hmm. If he's by far the most productive back, that will happen. But I don't think Bruce is is concerned or planning about that. He's just like, this is working. And, you know, we'll run Ronald Jones and we'll run Leonard Fournette. We'll use them both. Yeah, I think I think the term starter is just the guy who's out there when they first start the game. Other than that, it, it's not like he's going to be in there all the time. Well, we had two yeah. we had two touchdown drives with Ronald Jones in the first half, right? Yep. Three. One, yep. one was just a one-play drive. But right, we had but two still. extended drives with him as the basic guy, or at least the first one. And they run differently, so that, that changes how the defense I has to deal with them. He, he does look, though. He does look exciting. Oh, does. no question. He had a number of good runs. Um, Which is a perfect example of a change of scenery and a guy uh, getting a fresh start. Yeah, yeah, I think he's very happy about that. Yeah, very good. That's my last question, Jeff. All right, well, those are really good questions. Good questions I, 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 you know, we need more of them. Do you know, you know, usually we do a question, we do questions, maybe we go 10 minutes. How long do you think we went on this? How long do you think we've been 19 minutes and 37 seconds. Close, 23-20. Wow. So, I was going to say 22. All right, you got anything else? No, 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 that's it. All yeah, the questions, it? we are done. All right. Since you did, thanks for listening.